Hi there, and welcome to Live from the Cyber Institute. In this podcast, we listen in on conversations taking place among ministers, church leaders, and scholars as we engage the issues facing Christians and church leaders today. We hope that this episode is thought-provoking and a blessing to you, because as with everything we do in the Cyber Institute, our mission is to equip church leaders and help churches thrive. After you listen, make sure to follow our podcast so that you get all the latest episodes from your podcast platform of choice. Let's get started. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Live from the Cyber Institute, uh, our podcast where we engage in conversations with scholars and church leaders about important things that are happening uh, in the world of ministry. My name is David Knipe. I'm the Associate Director uh, here at the Cyber Institute, and I am very excited today uh, to be sitting down with Royce Money, uh, formerly the President of ACU, the Chancellor, and the Founding Director of the Cyber Institute. Welcome, Royce. We're glad you're here. Pleasure of mine. Pleasure is mine. Well, we are, are really grateful. Um, for those of you that uh, maybe aren't as familiar with Royce's background, let me just tell you a little bit about uh, some of the things that he did during his career and, and continues to do in his uh, work here with Cybert and ACU. Uh, most recently, he's been serving as the chancellor of the university, but before that was ACU's 10th president uh, for 19 years. Uh, Royce, you came uh, coming out of a life in ministry as mm-hmm. a professor uh, in the Marriage and Family Institute. Um, you served as the director of the ministry program in the undergrad Bible department and later as chair of graduate Bible and director of the doctor of ministry. I think you were the first director of that program. That's Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Um, so we, we often joke that you were probably the only person who has ever been on the faculty of all three departments. <laughs> That's right. And I've, I think I've had about 16 or 17 different offices. Yeah, I, no, no, <laughs> so, I believe and that. And I'm proud to say I've left every one of them better than I found it. <laughs> That's good. Well, after you uh, served all those years in the College of Biblical Studies, you then went and worked for a while as the executive assistant to the president uh, for just a few months before you were appointed provost. Um, and I remember you telling me once that that just gave you a lot of perspective on how the whole university functioned, oh, not just the college. Absolutely, it did. Well, that brought you then into university-level administration. You served as provost, then as vice president for three years, uh, and then in the role of president. Um, but we can't introduce you without also talking about your partner in ministry, Pam. That's right. Um, you That's guys have right. been married for, is it 58 years now? That's right. Man, that is wonderful. Um, you described her to me as the perfect supportive partner uh, in whatever ministry we were involved in. She has been involved 100% every time uh, we have made a change or a move or any type of uh, different condition she's in all the way. And mm-hmm. that's such a blessing. Yeah, well, that, and that what I see in y'all is just that partnership in ministry. Um, you have different roles, but your partner's mm-hmm. there. Um, you guys have two wonderful daughters. You have five grandchildren who I think are all ACU graduates. That's right. And I know you have at least one new great-grandchild. Is that the yes. first one? Yes, and I have pictures. Of okay. <laughs> see, that's the problem. I get pictures. Well, <laughs> and that's the problem with an audio medium, yeah. right? We can't yeah. show. Well. We can't show the people. But they'll uh, have to. He's great, though. That's good. <laughs> that is good. Well, the main reason that we are sitting down together today uh, has to do with uh, the fact that you were the founding director of the Cybert Institute. Um, you knew our namesake, Charles Cybert, for decades. You were the one that brought him to ACU. Uh, you were involved in the conversations with Charlie, with Phil Schubert, and with yeah. various other ACU folks in thinking about the Cyber Institute as kind of a, a primary carrier of the legacy of Charlie's ministry. Uh, and then you were the first director of Cybert and have been part of the team in various ways since its founding. 
Uh, so we are just so grateful for um, you know all of your work in doing that. And we want to talk some about Charlie today because there are a lot of folks. Uh, it's been over 10 years now since he died. So many folks have been blessed by the ministry of the Cybert Institute, right. um, and they may not necessarily know uh, about him, about why, who he was, and how our work grows out of his. Um, so uh, for our readers that don't know Charlie or didn't know him, why don't you just tell us some about him here at the beginning, especially in terms of his service to churches and ministers? Well, Charlie was, uh, uh, I called him the preacher's preacher. Um, he had such a magnetic personality uh, with this deep resonant voice that he had. Oh, yeah. And uh, intellectual mind and most of all a dedicated soul uh, to the Lord's work. And so he attracted other ministers even before he came hmm. uh, to ACU like a magnet. That's one of the things that I, uh, reasons I wanted him uh, to be involved in this work. Uh, in the general work at ACU, first of all, in uh, educating ministers for the future because mm -hmm. I, he was one. He had the academic credentials and uh, he had that uh, winsome personality that just drew preachers to him. And so I thought, this is an ideal place for him. By the way, he turned me down the first oh, time yeah. I asked him mm. to come. Uh, two years later, he willingly accepted uh, my offer. And I said, what is the difference, Charlie? Why are you ready now? and not ready then. And he said, the difference is my father's funeral. Hmm. Now that's interesting because his father was a minister, uh, usually at smaller churches and congregations yep. around. And at his father's funeral, he said, I began to think about what you said about if you come to ACU, you have a multiplying effect. Mm -hmm. uh, you influence generations and it just gets bigger and bigger. And that appealed to him and so, that's what convicted him to come. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was very much my experience with him. I got to be one of his students during my time in the GST uh, back in the 90s and the early 2000s. And one of the things, of course, that uh, stuck with me are, are just so many of his sayings, mm -hmm. um, you know, things that grew directly oh, yes. out of out of yeah. his ministry and out of his work with ministers. Um, and, and we're going to share a few of these on the podcast as we go along. And at the end, uh, to our listeners, I'll tell you, um, we've got a place on our website where you can find some of these Charlieisms. Um, I'll give you a couple uh, here right off the bat, uh, just in the ways that he cared for ministers. I mean, one that he used to say was, there is no way to modulate the human voice so as to make whining an acceptable sound. <laughs> That's right. And I've heard that many times. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, a lot of preachers who were in crisis came uh, whining, as, mm -hmm. as it were. And and so he would often tell them that and kind of get hold of yourself and yeah. let's, let's get to working on a solution. Yeah. Well, and of course, uh, you know, an, another nickname that he's, he's gotten over the years, you know, he's, the, he's been the church doctor. Church doctor. Because he did a lot of work with churches in conflict, ministers who were dealing with conflict. And one of his other sayings was, conflict is like rolling around in the mud with a pig. You both get dirty, but the pig enjoys it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, you know, and as a student, I thought, whew, all right, I got, I got to be ready for this. Um, but, you know, of course, there, there are all sorts of folks that, that like digging in there. But when ministers are working to try to try to serve and to please and to help, that, that just can be really difficult. Well, that's, uh, that's how he got this reputation as being the full service church doctor, mm -hmm. because 
um, most, I would say 90 plus percent of the calls Charlie got had conflict buried in there somewhere, yeah. either personal with the minister or congregationally, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps with the elders. And so uh, Charlie became an expert in conflict resolution. Yeah. And this is before we had all these organized programs, mm-hmm. graduate programs in conflict resolution. In fact, uh, Charlie took over a course that I started called Counseling for Church Leaders. Mm-hmm. Charlie perfected it. I mean, he, he really took it to another level. But I was trying to, uh, to give uh, ministers and elders uh, some basic ideas about what to do in uh, measuring the conflict in the church, where yeah. to start and mm-hmm. what to do. No, that's so good. Well, you kind of told a little bit about some of his biography. Let me let me fill in some things there so folks know more about uh, kind of where he came from. Uh, Charlie married his wife, Judy Bailey Cyber, in 1967. Um, I think they were up in Lubbock at the time, or they connected with Lubbock. Um, he earned a bachelor's and a master's from ACU in 1968 and 71, uh, and then a doctor of ministry degree from Austin Presbyterian uh, Theological Seminary in 1978. Um, Over the years, he served churches in various places, especially in Texas, towns like Imperial and Lingleville, uh, in Austin at the University Avenue Church, uh, and then in Tyler at the Glenwood Church of Christ, which I think is where he was before he came to ACU, also at the Meadowlark Church of Christ in Fort Collins, Colorado. Um, But I think it was that ministry in Tyler where he really got on your radar. Is that right? That's correct. And the fact that he has served churches... uh large and small, the Mm -hmm. fact that uh, he grew up in a ministry family, all of this uh, contributed to who he he was. But he just attracted preachers like a magnet. I recall one time when I was out to lunch with him, uh, he got a call from a distressed minister Mm -hmm. who had just been fired the day before. And the guy was kind of whining. He said, I'm really confused, Dr. Seibert. I, I just don't know what this means. And Charlie, in that deep, resonant voice, said, it means that you don't have a job. (laughs) And uh, from there, after jolting him into reality, Charlie began very compassionately working with, okay, now what do we do next? And what do you think about? And uh, it was just a wonderful thing to watch. Uh, I was uh, sitting there at lunch, listening to all of this, and uh, it really impressed me. Well, I I think you've told me before that you know, you couldn't hardly go out for a no. lunch with Charlie without his phone ringing. That's right. Uh, at some point, some minister somewhere needing help. Um, oh. Well, so he joined ACU then as an adjunct in uh, 1986 and full time, like you said, two years later, 1988. Uh, taught for it's almost taught for a total of almost 25 years uh, here. Um, he taught ministry classes in what became our graduate school of theology. Right. Uh, directed the Doctor of Ministry program, uh, was the Fraser Professor of Church Enrichment, uh, the director of the Center for Church Enrichment, and then ultimately uh, for seven years as the Vice President for Church Relations. Now, I, get, I made him uh, Vice President because I wanted to send a message to churches that mm-hmm. had some kind of affiliation or affinity with ACU uh, to say, we are serious here about uh, healthy congregations, yeah. and we're serious about uh, connecting with you and serving you in whatever way we can. And Charlie uh, did a wonderful job uh, in that role. Mm-hmm. Well, all through that time, and I, and I appreciate that because all through that time, he was not only teaching, he was yeah. actively ministering, going off, I mean, weekend after weekend, going off to do 
seminars and consultations and uh, spending time with with churches in consulting relationships. Um, I mentioned his nickname, the Church Doctor. Mm -hmm. uh, another one that I know developed at that time was Chainsaw Charlie. Yeah, um, because he just did not hold back in telling people what he felt like he told the truth. they needed to hear. That's and right. he, told, he told them what they needed to hear, just like this young minister that called him that I referred to mm -hmm. a while ago. Uh, that that was Charlie's way of jolting him into reality. Mm -hmm. And quit whining. <laughs> I can yeah. hear him say that. Quit whining. Uh, let's start working on the solution. Yeah. And, you know, and I'll say for me, you know, I, I was a young man when I first met Charlie. Grown up in the South, grown up in the church. You know, I, I have some some conflict avoiding tendencies kind of baked in. Yeah. And, you know, when I, when I heard that, I, it kind of, there was a little bit of fear that came up, but over time I've come to appreciate that so much more, you know, a couple of other sayings that he had were reality is your friend. Oh yes. And another one telling people the truth is part of loving them. Yeah. And I just see that. I mean, now I'm a parent and I can see oh. so much more. Uh, sometimes you got to be willing to say those hard things. Sure. Why do you think it was so important for him to just deal in the truth? Um, that was his key to the uh, heart of the situation. Mm -hmm. uh, he had a way, uh, uncanny way, of cutting through uh, all this confusion and uh, delusional thinking sometimes yeah. and, and getting at the, the essence of the problem. And everybody knew, it's, it's, I, he's kind of like an old football coach. Everybody mm -hmm. knew he just loved you to death, but he's going to be pretty rough with you and get you going. And, yeah. and so he was, he, he was, I never thought about this. He's kind of a spiritual football coach. He, mm -hmm. he, uh, uh, he accepted you, loved you, but he's going to tell you what's wrong. Yeah. And uh, he's going to get in there with you and help you work out the solution. Yeah. So we, we've already mentioned some of the things that uh, Charlie had been doing with regard to uh, teaching and ministry to ministers. Uh, over time, he also began to see other ways in which uh, the church needed help. You know, we, we've, we talk sometimes around here about uh, Charlie ran what's now the Cyber Institute mm -hmm. out of a note card in his pocket. You yeah. know, because sometimes it was about helping churches in conflict. Sometimes it was helping ministers find new jobs or helping churches find new ministers. Um, but he also started to see that uh, there were elders that needed help. And so he founded the ACU Elder Link Forum in the year 2000. It's been going on 25 years now. Uh, then the Minister Support Network, uh, working with Judy, uh, his wife, and other couples uh, in some sabbatical retreats. And over 15 years, just in that time, they served over 400 couples. That's right. That's right. right. And pro probably saved a lot of marriages in oh, the man. process. A lot of marriages and a lot of ministries. Yeah, we, we recently, so in kind of the second generation of that, Robert Oglesby uh, and his wife, Jenny, have been leading. And they did some looking at over the last 10 years since Charlie died, um, over the, the couples that they've worked with, 85% of them are either still in ministry yeah. or were able to successfully yeah. retire. Uh, and just that success rate, I mean, given the amount of conflict that ministers have, it's just, yeah. it's just kind of amazing. So, you know, by late the late decade of the 2000s, that first 10 years, I mean, his ministry is just oh, yeah. all over the place, yeah. doing all sorts of things, churches, ministers, elders. Uh, and then in the summer of 2009, uh, he got the diagnosis of multiple myeloma, yeah. right, a form of blood cancer. Um, what, what do you remember about his becoming sick and just those early days? Uh, well, I thought illness? that uh, naively, I suppose, that he would get some treatment and then he would recover. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of go on. 
but pretty soon it became apparent that uh, he was not going to recover. Yeah. And so uh, we began to, we were close friends and we began to have these honest conversations. Charlie, uh, you can't do this forever. It's uh, evident to me and to you that uh, your ministry is coming to uh, some sort of conclusion what can we do to keep it going? Mm -hmm. What can we do to multiply it? And so on a couple of occasions, Charlie and I, uh, when he was uh, really not feeling very well at all, uh, had some long conversations, yeah. uh, dreaming together and planning together. And of course, what really hit me like crazy was there is no one person that can replace Charlie. Right. And I think Charlie is chuckling in heaven now to, we probably got what fifteen people. Yeah, <laughs> helping part time it, it, or full time. It is a big team, and so uh, it took that many people to replace one guy. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I imagine, you know, that that was to some degree challenging, but also, you know, in my memories of Charlie, there were there was probably some excitement uh, that was there. Oh, Just the, you know, oh yes, and and uh, the fact that that. I was pulling him in and saying, Charlie, what do I need to do? Because mm -hmm. uh, it became apparent about that time when yeah. I was just appointed chancellor and Bill Schubert was the new president that, um, uh, back to kind of an aside here, Phil said to me, hey, Royce, I don't know all that much about church relations and all this. This is your area. Mm -hmm. um, get with Charlie. Get with whoever you need to. Why don't you just take this on? as one of your projects to develop. And so with that kind of encouragement, and by the way, I, we had nothing but positive encouragement from Dr. Schubert that's great. the whole time. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's how it all started. And so I wanted to pick Charlie's brain as much as I could to get his idea uh, of what needed to be done because he had the best experience and perspective. Sure. Well, and, and I'm, I'm glad to hear, I haven't talked with Dr. Schubert about that. I'm, I'm honestly not surprised to hear it just knowing how supportive he is of the college of biblical studies, but also I think his dad was a preacher, right? His dad was a preacher. So, and, so he probably experienced some of that in, as a preacher's kid. Most, uh, I, and I had usually monthly meetings with Phil, um, all those years I was chancellor. And he would end almost every meeting with the question, what can I do to help you? Mm. And so it was always the open door because he knew that, that uh, ACU's connection to congregations in the broader Churches of Christ Fellowship uh, was a very important thing to do. And he wanted to do whatever he could to help uh, cultivate that. Yeah, that is great. Well, so... You know, as y'all realized, okay, we're not going to be able to replace Charlie. How did the idea of an institute come to be? I mean, I, I imagine there, there's different ways that we could have done this. Right. But how, how did that? How did, how did y'all come to that idea that this is what's really going to be the best way? The first thing we thought about was what what can uh, ACU as a unique institution do? Here I am using a form of institute in this mm -hmm. sentence even. And so we came up with this idea. The best thing we do is is educate. And uh, we got to thinking uh, an institute is usually affiliated with some sort of uh, academic enterprise right. or uh, something other than just local ministry. Mm -hmm. And so that's how we landed on it. It was uh, soon after Charlie's death that I approached Phil about 
naming uh, the institute, the Cyber Institute, although I had that in mind mm -hmm. uh, for a long time since we knew Charlie was not going to recover. Uh, because I knew it would carry a lot of weight, and sure enough, it, it has. But uh, we carefully chose every word, the Cyber Institute for Church Ministry. Mm -hmm. We made it very overt that we're interested in congregational ministry. That means primarily to congregational leaders and ministers. Those are the two target areas. Uh, we help entire congregations, of course, uh, as we are able to. But our focus is ministers and uh, congregational leaders. That's right. Well, and that's continued on. I mean, in our in our mission statement, we have the longer version, but the short the short way we say it is, you know, we're here to equip church leaders and help right. churches thrive. That's right. You know, we know that the things that we can do to serve ministers and elders, you know, they're going to overflow into the life of the church. Right. It might be in a direct way, and it might be just in an indirect way. We know, um, I mean, some of the other uh, of, of Charlieisms, you know, he, he a couple of things he used to say. Ministers carry most of their problems with them in their luggage, right? Yeah. They go from place to place. And guess um, what? Have the same problem in two or three years. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, or he would say to ministers, when exactly are you planning on working on yourself yeah. rather than trying to get everyone else to change? <laughs> oh, that would hurt. Yeah. <laughs> that would hurt because we all know we all have been there. Yeah. But we know, you know, it's, it's not surprising that healthy ministers are going to help beget and help grow healthy churches uh, yeah. when they're not bound up with, um, anxiety or self-pity or when they can move, they're just going to be more available to the spirit, more able to do the things that they need to do in the kingdom. The other thing, David, that we talked, thought about was um, what do, can ACU do best that uh, some other type of nonprofit institution might not be able to do? Mm -hmm. Well, we look around, we've got all these experts, biblical uh, theology and ministry and counseling and all kinds of things. So we, we looked at our faculty, and I did make the arrangement with Phil that uh, various faculty who had expertise in these areas could get some kind of release time or whatever, mm. and we could put together uh, kind of an internal team uh, as well as uh, having a limited amount of staff people. Uh, Curtis King came along. He was a wonderful administrator and uh, coordinator of the Cyber Institute. Yep. And so the Lord has provided people through the years to come in and and serve in these various functions. But we st stuck with what do we do best? And since we don't have any kind of overarching denominational structure, right? Uh, and we wanted to respect local church autonomy, uh, this is the best way we thought uh, to know how to do it. If they can uh, contact us people uh, at congregations and individuals who needed our services. And at the same time, we had no uh, authority, no direct responsibility. It was just a voluntary association all the way around. Mm -hmm. And that worked very well for us. Yeah. Well, I, I think a couple of thoughts occurred to me. One is just that blend of having the academic side, having scholarship and scholars along with more direct ministry. I mean, that, that, exactly mirrors Charlie's life. Yeah, we were uh, we were very dedicated to uh, developing. Um, we didn't, this wasn't on the top of the surface, mm. so to speak, but developing intellectually uh, the ministers along the way too, uh, giving them opportunities to come and do additional graduate work. Mm -hmm. And we've got, remember, the start of the doctorate ministry program somewhere about there. Mm -hmm. And so... All of that was working together. And I really think that the Cyber Institute spurred 
some ministers to come back and get additional training. I think probably so. Uh, you know, I was thinking actually just today working on a, a little writing project about what we've done with ElderLink over the last right. uh, year. And when I thought about the speakers we had, you know, we had a blend of uh, some ACU professors, some mm-hmm. scholars. We had some local ministers and mm-hmm. elders. Uh, and in this case, because of some of the topics, we had a couple of mental health professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so I think that does reflect that blend. But I am so glad that we've been able to continue to use our ACU faculty um, just over the last 12 months mm-hmm. across our different events, webinars, podcasts, different things. Um, I was adding it up. We had uh, 20 different full-time faculty um, that were involved in some way in the Cyber Institute initiative. You know, uh, the, um, in College of Biblical Studies, nearly all of our uh, professors have come out of some sort of experience of, mm-hmm. of uh, local church ministry. That's various right. manifestations. And so it was a natural connection and, and an easy one to uh, convince people to be involved. Yeah. Well, uh, as it turned out, uh, Charlie did not end up beating multiple myeloma. After fighting it for three years, he died on July 11th, 2012, so just a little over 10 years ago. Um, and you already talked some about some of the plans that were afoot for what became the Cybert Institute. Uh, it was announced that September at Summit. Um, it kind of went public that way. I think it was Dr. Schubert that, that made that announcement. Um, what do you remember about the reaction that you got um, once once we had made that announcement that this is how it was going to be? Oh, it was, uh, I'll never forget it. It was prolonged, enthusiastic applause. Mm. It was like he announced that there, everybody's going to get $1,000 or something. <laughs> he, they, they were just uh, whistling and all kinds of uh, carryings on. And then we began to get notes of thanks and appreciation and uh, we didn't have to wait long for our first customers, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, here, here they came. Yeah. Because uh, that, uh, even that name, Cybert, uh, attracted uh, some people. And it also, we were able to ride on Charlie's reputation mm-hmm. uh, to, to know that this is a place where you can get some assistance. Yeah. Well, and that's something that has continued to be. I mean, you mentioned the first customers came along. And as I understand, the first donors uh, came along pretty quickly as oh, well. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention that. we had Phil and I had all these encouraging conversations, but the one I'll remember always <laughs> was Phil said, oh, yes, uh, by the way, uh, you'll need to raise the money mm-hmm. to operate the bulk of the Cyber Institute uh, through donations and later on endowment because you're not going to be able to get very much out of the annual budget. Mm-hmm. Well... I was, you know, I just a few months before it occupied that same chair. And after my initial shock of that, <laughs> realizing it would fall on my shoulders, I got to thinking, I would have said the same thing. Yeah. So, yeah. And, uh, and, and so there is strength in that because now we are, I call it, immune from budget cuts. Mm. Uh, we have our own operational budget. We mm-hmm. have an endowment that's approaching $6 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're we're really uh, becoming more and more self-sustaining yep. while remaining connected uh, to ACU. So that was the right call. It was just, it involved a lot of work, but uh, the Lord has raised up good men and women uh, to come to our aid. Yeah, that's right. And, and I like that term you use, self-sustaining, right? It's, it's not that we're self-sufficient over against, but we're self-sustaining. And even just as you say that, that makes me think, I think that's what, Charlie wanted ministers and churches to be. That's right. You know, to be healthy, you've got to have the resources within you 
to be able to sustain yourself, your ministry, your work with the help of God. Um, and I think that's, that's what we're doing financially. Um, and so, yeah, so in that, in that 10 year since, and this is Mm -hmm. kind of the, you know, the next part of the story to tell one day, uh, the reputation that Charlie brought, uh, the willing donors that we've had over the years, and then just the people, you know, as you began as the founding director, you Mm -hmm. brought Curtis King on, like you said, uh, shortly thereafter, Carson Reed joined. Car- uh, Carissa Hershenroder was there from the very beginning and That's right. uh, served in so many ways. And uh, and now, like you said, between our full time, our part time staff, our different partners, we're up. I mean, our team on our website it's it's more than twenty people um, that are continuing the work and the legacy. One little uh, inside story, brought. David, uh, that I've not really told anybody. In one of those last conversations with Charlie, mm-hmm. he leaned over to me and said. Hire Carson Reed hmm. if you possibly can. Hmm. And Charlie knew instinctively that Carson had the gifts mm-hmm. uh, to carry on and even to expand as he has done. Yeah. So I thought I thought that was interesting because uh, um, I, I won't say Charlie handpicked a successor, but mm-hmm. <laughs> his uh, his endorsement of Carson. Yeah. Early on, before yeah. Carson was at ACU, right, was important. Yeah, well, he had that intuition. I mean, Carson, yeah. he had been in our D-Men program, what, 30 years of congregational yeah. ministry yeah. at that point. So he was bringing a similar blend of yeah. background That's and right. gifts. Well, you know, this, as we kind of wrap it up here, that reminds me of one of, uh, one of my favorite Charlieisms. He said, in Christ, the worst things are never the last things. Um, and that's true, of course, of his life. I mean, to, uh, you know, cancer is a scourge and mm-hmm. nobody wants it. But in Christ, the worst things are never the last things. Yeah, and, what a blessing. Yeah. And the work of the Cyber Institute has been going on for uh, 10 years. And again, thanks to the, uh, the willing donations, we, we foresee many, many more years of ministry. Uh, well, Royce, I am so thankful for your time and uh the stories and your willingness to just share not only your memories of Charlie, but also uh, the work that you've done in so many ways to help found the Cyber Institute, to establish it, to raise funds and to lead. Um, we're really grateful to you. Well, in my mind, I don't know if this is theologically correct, but in my mind, I imagine Charlie smiling mm-hmm. and in fact, laughing because it takes so many people to replace it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, and, and we probably need a facial expression from Judy on that as well, just what, what, she, what she would say. Uh, well, folks, we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, as always, you can uh, learn more about the Cyber Institute at cyberinstitute.org. If you go to our website and add on cyberinstitute.org slash about dash us, um, you can learn more about Charlie there. And there's a link uh, to many more of those Charlieisms. So go to cyberinstitute.org slash about dash us. Uh, and as always, you can find all of our podcast episodes at cyberinstitute.podbean.com. Thanks for being with us today, and we'll look forward to the next episode. Thanks for listening today to Live from the Cyber Institute. We would love to connect with you on our social media channels, and you can always find all of our various resources at our website, cyberinstitute.org. If you haven't done so yet, make sure to subscribe and follow this podcast on your platform of choice, then share it with your friends. Until next time, may God bless you in all that you do.